This year, beginning with Advent and extending into the first six weeks of 2021, we will be exploring the theme, God Comes to Us, How Will We Respond? And we'll do this by reflecting on stories of biblical figures who experienced God's coming and had to decide how would they respond. Today, we hear the story of Joseph from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. As we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us pray. Holy and gracious God, indeed you come to us. And as we hear these words today and let them sink into our hearts and minds, Show us how we might respond to the extraordinary gift of your presence and love. Amen. Here are these words from Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A couple of years ago, we received a Christmas card featuring a photograph of a beautiful family of four, husband, wife, two lovely daughters, they were standing on the beach in front of the ocean, looking less like an actual family and more like a group of hand-picked models with white shirts and khaki pants and smiles suggesting that their life together was always as full of laughter and joy as it was in the moment that picture was taken. Christmas greetings from our family to yours was the extent of the message on the card. The thing about this family, though, was that our family and theirs were close friends. We'd spent a lot of time together. We were close enough to use the back door of their house, close enough to show up unannounced, close enough that we'd seen that house at its most disorganized and unclean, close enough to have seen the family argue during dinner as the parents struggled to enforce a no devices at the table rule close enough to know that the mom had been nearly undone by a series of miscarriages in the last few years, and that the dad was struggling in a job he hated but needed, close enough to know without a doubt 
that their family life was chaotic and messy and often hard. It was wonderful to see this picture in which our dear friends looked so happy, so free from the worries I knew plagued them daily. But I couldn't help thinking there was something a little disingenuous about it. And ever since receiving that card, I've looked at every Christmas card a little differently, knowing that behind every picture of a seemingly perfect family, there is a much more complicated story. Somewhere along the way, we seem to have decided Christmas should be the time when we dress up, dress up our families and our houses and our churches, and do everything we can to show off our most beautiful, most polished selves. Even this year, when so many of our usual Christmas traditions aren't available to us, We are doing everything we can to infuse holiday cheer into the despair that continues to unfold around us. As you may have read or experienced, sales of live Christmas trees are through the roof this year, as people who usually put up an artificial tree or no tree at all are buying and decorating a live tree. Doug Hunley from the National Christmas Tree Association said, We didn't realize that the Christmas spirit was going to help people with what we've heard called the COVID blues. And maybe you saw the article this week that a local mom created the story of the snow globe Santa to offer children a non-pandemic reason that Santa is visiting with them from within a snow globe at the mall. It is as if Christmas is giving us one more chance to rewrite the script of this year that has seen so much suffering and division. And yet, the actual events we commemorate at Christmas are so very unscripted, so incredibly unpolished. Jesus was born out of wedlock and into poverty to a teenage mother who didn't give birth in the comfort of her own home with her mother holding her hand, but in an unfamiliar stable with animals for a nursing staff. Now, we're not the first to try and make this story more palatable. For centuries, paintings and sculptures of Mary show her smiling down at the baby Jesus, both of them looking wise beyond their years. And there are countless depictions of Mary and Joseph gazing at a sleeping baby Jesus who looks as though he has not and will never give them an ounce of trouble. Like a Christmas card picture that shows what looks like a perfect, happy family, such depictions of the holy family tell only part of a much more complicated story. Today, we focus on the often forgotten member of the Holy Family, Joseph, whose story appears only in Matthew's Gospel, where Joseph plays a critical role in the story of the Incarnation, without saying a single word. As Christy reminded us earlier, we learn all we need to know about Joseph through his actions. But what is easy for us to overlook in this short text is that Joseph 
decides to respond with grace to the news of Mary's pregnancy, even before his dream encounter with an angel of the Lord. Because before the angel reveals to Joseph that Mary's baby is from the Holy Spirit, the only thing he knows is that this woman to whom he is engaged is pregnant and the baby isn't his. Both morally and legally, Joseph has every right to retaliate against Mary, to publicly shame her, even according to the religious laws of that time, to have her tried and executed. But Joseph does none of that. When faced with the indisputable knowledge that the woman he plans to marry has been unfaithful, he responds with grace. Rather than announce to the world how he has been betrayed, Joseph chooses discretion and forgiveness, deciding to call off the wedding quietly so he and Mary can go their separate ways. When Joseph first enters this story, we, the readers, have already been told that the child Mary carries is from the Holy Spirit, but Joseph doesn't know this yet. So he must decide how to respond to the unexpected and surely unwelcome news of her pregnancy from a place of partial knowing. As one commentator observes, in Matthew's telling of the story, we discover that the Messiah arises from the intersection of the known and the unknown. The intersection of the known and the unknown. This is the very place Joseph stands when he decides how to respond to the news of Mary's pregnancy. And how Joseph responds reveals what the narrator calls his righteousness, his ability to act with mercy and love, even in the face of uncertainty and betrayal. It is only at this point that the angel appears to Joseph in a dream, revealing to him that, just like the story behind every picture of a perfect family, there is more to these events than he could have imagined. The angel reveals that what is unfolding in Joseph's relationship with Mary is in fact the very presence of God making its way into the world and that Joseph is invited to accept an extraordinary role in this unfolding story. We can imagine that the angel's visit doesn't suddenly mean that all of this makes sense to Joseph. In many ways, he is as firmly planted in the intersection of the known and unknown after the dream as he was before. But the words of the angel empower Joseph to respond to the situation in a new way. And instead of abandoning Mary, drawing alongside her, taking the child in her womb as his own. At the intersection of the known and the unknown, Joseph again responds with trust and mercy and love. Today, in one way or another, we are all standing at the intersection of the known and the unknown 
Maybe for you, like Joseph, that intersection is intensely personal. As you grapple with a difficult family situation, a frightening diagnosis, or grief over a loss, whether that loss is recent or long ago. Maybe that intersection is the one we stand at together as our society continues to struggle with a pandemic that is robbing us of lives and livelihoods, a political transition revealing intense and ongoing polarization and mistrust, and disparities that are exacerbating the effects of this season so that the most vulnerable among us are suffering the most. At the intersection of the known and the unknown, we can feel helpless in the face of suffering, our own and others' suffering, not sure how we will ever move forward or even which way to go. Joseph's response to finding himself at that intersection was to choose mercy and kindness, even when it was within his rights to condemn someone who had apparently betrayed him. Joseph quietly chooses to trust the words of the angel as extraordinary as they must have sounded. And in time, he would learn just enough to take the next step and the next, as his life and his family is swept up in the messy, chaotic, extraordinary story of God coming and dwelling in the world. In her book, Five Ways to Practice Dying, Elizabeth Lesser writes, whenever you find yourself getting anxious about the big and small deaths of daily life, being out of control, not getting what you want, endings and partings, take a few minutes to allow in the possibility that you do not see the full picture. Often, what looks terrible today will, in retrospect, have been a blessing. Just allow that possibility in. You do not have to understand or figure everything out. You can relax into the mystery of not knowing. In addition to the daily death total from the pandemic, we are all too aware of the big and small deaths of our daily lives, some that we anticipate and others that send us reeling. We carry them with us, the unmet expectations, the fears and anxieties, the betrayals and disappointments, all the parts of our lives we can't or won't include on our Christmas cards. Joseph's example suggests that in moments when these losses weigh heavily on us, we can respond with trust in the midst of uncertainty, mercy in the face of betrayal, hope in God's presence with us, and God's promise to heal even our deepest wound. The 16th century Flemish artist Peter Bruegel was a master of filling a canvas with utterly ordinary people and events. 
In his painting, The Census at Bethlehem, he depicts people coming from far and near to Bethlehem to be registered. But he reimagines this event as a contemporary one taking place in a wintry Flemish village. A group of people gather at the entrance to a building on one side of the painting, while elsewhere, a pig is being slaughtered, children are playing in the snow, a leopard is begging, and others are going about their business. You could easily miss the young, pregnant woman on a donkey being led by a man whose face is hidden as he leads them toward the crowd. If you didn't know to look for them, you wouldn't even notice they were there. And if you didn't know the rest of their complicated story, you might not realize that like so many others, like so many of us, this man named Joseph was standing at the intersection of the known and the unknown. And though he was terrified and anxious, he responded with mercy and love and trust that the world, even a world filled with death and despair, might be transformed by the coming of God who stands with us, whoever and wherever we are. Amen.